You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. what we've been looking at. John is saying that if you call yourself a genuine believer, then a real true love for one another will be displayed and easily recognized by the actions that you show. It won't be vague. It won't be elusive. It won't be something that you conjure up or you work up to. It'll be real. And it will be proven by the actions that support your words. In today's message, Pastor Dave showcases something John the Apostle wrote about, what it means to show others that you are a believer in Christ. The most important way for you to show God's love for others is to show others the same love God gives you, agape, unconditional love for others, even those who've wronged you. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 John chapter 3 as he begins his message, Love, Truth, Obedience. First John chapter 3, I will read specifically 11 through 24. The apostle writes, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Have you ever thought about the love a parent has for their children? 
You know, a love that a parent has for their children is a love that is so powerful that even though children can be thorns in our sides sometimes, we would give our lives for them. The love of a parent runs extremely deep. An example, there's a story about Princess Alice, the daughter of Queen Victoria. She had a little boy who became sick with black diphtheria. The doctors quarantined the boy and told the mother to stay away. And she tried and tried and tried to stay away until one day she was outside his door and he heard, she heard the little boy whisper to his nurse, why doesn't my mother kiss me anymore? Upon hearing this, Princess Alice ran into the house and smothered her son with kisses. In a few, within a few days, they both died. As a mother, she couldn't stand outside that door and simply say, honey, I love you. I really, really do love you. No, she knew her son was hurting and she knew that he needed her. So with absolutely no regard for her own life, she ran into the room exposing herself to this deadly disease because her love for her son was greater than the love for herself. What she displayed was a real and truthful love, a love for her son that was recognizable by the actions that she showed. When I read this, I asked myself this question, is it possible for me to have deep love for someone who is not my spouse, someone who is not my child, someone who is not related to me physically? Is it possible to have such deep love for someone other than my family, a love so deep, so pure, that I would risk everything for them? Think about it. The person sitting behind you, the person sitting in front of you, across the aisle from you, across the room from you, do you have a love for them that looks beyond their imperfections? A love that looks beyond their appearance? A love that looks beyond their past? A love that is willing to do whatever it takes to let them know that you love them? Is that kind of love even possible? So I asked you the question this morning, how's your love life? How's your love life? I'm not talking about your marriage, not talking about any type of a dating situation or anything like that, that the colloquial love life refers to. What I'm talking about this morning is the condition of your heart and the love you have towards all the people assembled here right now at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. And if we take it a step further, a love towards all those outside of these doors who might be God's children because of their acceptance of Jesus Christ or might not be God's children. Is the love shared with them also? Let's get specific. Right now, God has brought you here this morning for such a time as this. He has brought you here in this particular place so that we might worship him, so that we might gather together in fellowship, so that we might hear his word. 
That's why God has brought you here this morning. It is no coincidence that you're here. God brought you here by his spirit. Many of you have been coming here for years. Some of you are new to us. And I thank the Lord for each and every one of you. You touch my heart by your faithfulness. But let me ask you another question. Does the person sitting in this section know without a shadow of a doubt that the person sitting in this section generally loves them? You pick any row, any seat, ask the same question. Does the person sitting in this section know without a shadow of a doubt that the person sitting in this section loves them? Person sitting in this section, that section, this section, that section. Do we know without a shadow of a doubt that I am walking into a place where I am loved unconditionally by everyone in the room? Sounds like a tall order, doesn't it? Sounds like a tall order. And if you feel like you are that loving person, God bless you. What's the proof? What's the evidence that you are that type of person? This is what John has been telling us in this section. This is what we've been looking at. John is saying that if you call yourself a genuine believer, then a real true love for one another will be displayed and easily recognized by the actions that you show. It won't be vague. It won't be elusive. It won't be something that you conjure up or you work up to. It'll be real. And it will be proven by the actions that support your words. When we started this mini-series on love, obedience, and truth, the Apostle John began in verse 11 by saying, what I am telling you is not a new message. What I am trying to share with you is nothing new. It's not a new concept. It's not something that I've just drawn out of a hat. Because the first time you heard the message called the gospel, you became acquainted with love, God's love. And you discovered that God loves you. You discovered that Jesus loves you. You discovered that the Holy Spirit loves you. In fact, every member of the Godhead is involved in your love life. God the Father commands us to love one another. God the Son gave his life on the cross, showing us an example of that great love. And the Holy Spirit now lives in you, those who have professed faith in Jesus Christ, to provide the love that you need. God has provided everything that we need to experience this love firsthand. You know, we're all familiar with God's love for us. As I said, through the gospel, through the cross. We're all familiar with God has done for us. We're familiar with that. We know that we can only love him in return because he first loved us. John is going to tell us that in the next chapter. And the love that he demonstrated on the cross by we were still sinners. We see that. So loving others is not a new concept. Also because love is the central theme of Christianity. It's the central theme of who we are. It's commanded by every believer and serves as genuine proof of salvation. So the first thing John did in this section was he set up a contrast between love and hate. He set up a contrast between love and hate, and he references Cain. Cain becomes a representative of hate and all who belong to Satan. If we want 
to have the type of love that John is speaking about in this section, there are certain things then we need to avoid. Specifically, the love or lack of love that Cain showed to his brother Abel. In fact, this is not love at all. This was hate. Why? Because Cain clearly disobeyed a command of God. God had commanded both Cain and Abel regarding the kinds of offering that they were to bring. And although we don't have it in scriptures, we know enough about the character of God to understand that God does not act in random ways. He would not hold someone accountable for something that they didn't know. There's a purpose between everything God does. So why does God accept Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's? John told us in verse 12, Because he looked into the heart. He saw the heart and knew the heart was disobedient. In verse 12, it says, because his works, talking about Cain, because his works were evil and his brother's works were righteous. This is why Cain rose up and killed his brother. But we read in Hebrews 11, 14, that it was by faith that Abel presented his sacrifice to God. And you know what pleases God? Faith. We know that scripture tells us that. It was a better sacrifice than Cain's because it was brought in faith. It wasn't brought in pretense. It wasn't brought looking to get something. It was brought in faith and in righteousness. And it testifies about this gift because his blood is still crying out. We're told in Genesis 4 verse 5 that God had no regard for Cain's offering because of that. And Cain became angry. His countenance fell and he killed his brother. So so what does this have to do with showing real love to our brothers and sisters? Well, for one thing, from what John is saying, loving our brothers and sisters is not an option. It's not something that we choose to do or we don't choose to do. According to what I read, loving one another is evidence that you love God. It's evidence that God is in your life. It's evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in your life. We don't choose to love one and not the other. Although we do, don't we? Come on, you know as well as I do, we do. We esteem others better. Talking to one while we look over our shoulder, hoping to find somebody better to talk to. Maybe it's just me. You guys are so much better than I. Maybe it's just me. We're to love each other regardless of the way we're treated. Regardless of the moment that we're in with them. In spite of their imperfections. And guess what, folks? We all have imperfections. We all have imperfections. We're commanded to love each other. A person that has a heart like Cain really has no desire to obey God. That's the bottom line. The bottom line is if your heart is like Cain, you have no desire to obey God. You choose disobedience. And you come up with all sorts of reasons why you can't love that person because they're unacceptable. They don't meet your standards. They did this to you. They did that to you. Come up with all kinds of excuses and reasons why you can't love that person. But these reasons, the bottom line is they become selfishness. And although John specifically mentions Cain, the contrast here is the person who has a heart like Cain. And the person who has a heart like Abel, there's a contrast there. Abel chose to make a habit of obeying the commandments of God. Abel chose to do what was right before the eyes of the Lord. And this kind of obedience places people in a better position to love one another. 
The next thing we see is John contrasted love and indifference. He said to stop making excuses for not loving each other. We have to stop being indifferent when it comes to loving each other. In fact, we're just not going to get along with everybody sometimes, and that's hard to do. But even when we get along with people, especially on the outside or maybe even the inside, some people are still not going to like you. That's just who we are. Don't be surprised, John said, when the world hates you because the world is full of Cain's. They're full of people like Cain. Heaven forbid that the church would be full of people like Cain. Heaven forbid. I get the fact, gang, that some of us, me included, are more difficult to love than others. I heard you laugh. Hey, I tell everybody, my wife will tell you, I'm high maintenance. Ben, I am, trust me. Stop agreeing with me, Beatrice. I'm high maintenance. Some people are higher maintenance than I am. Some people just get under your skin. Some people just get under there and they wiggle when they're under there and it bugs the snot out of you. You just thought of somebody, didn't you? <laughs> That's why you laughed. That's why. <laughs> but John says, you know what to do. John says in verse 14, you know what to do. And he uses that word, you know, all the time. We need to set all those things aside. I need to set your imperfections aside. Not that you have any. I need to set your quirkiness aside. Not that you have any. I need to set all of that aside. All of that has to go away. It has to be gone. Because there's a difference between me and people like Cain. Individuals. Why? Because I've been born again. I've been born again into a living hope through the cross of Jesus Christ. I have placed my trust, my hope, and all my faith in him. He is my salvation. I can't get anywhere without him. If he chooses to leave my life, I'm dead. Because I was dead in my sin when he came and he got me. I trust him and him alone. And because of that, I'm capable now of loving people in front of me because the Holy Spirit's living in me. Holy Spirit is living in me. I have passed from death to life. This is the result of my response to the gospel. You have passed from death to life. If you've chosen Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've made a profession of faith, if you've declared him Lord of your life, if you believe that God raised him from the dead on the third day, you will be saved. We know. I know what happened when I responded to the truth. You know what happened when you responded to the truth. Something in you changed. Something in you changed. We who were once dead to our sin have become alive in Christ. Man, is that a mystery. Wow. If you fully understand it, God bless you. I don't, but praise God for it. Thank you. And because of that, I'm now united with Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. And the scripture says we're all one. Puzzlement, mystery. But if you have a lack of love, it indicates you might be spiritually dead because someone who is characterized by hate has never experienced a new life in Jesus Christ. John goes on to verse 15 and he reminds us that God's eyes, that in God's eyes, your lack of love reveals a heart of hate that is equal to murder. And unless you repent and turn back to Jesus Christ in faith, 
He says, you'll have no part of the kingdom. And I thank the Lord every day that John had told us earlier that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And when I do fall and scrape my nose, when I can't love the way I'm supposed to love, I need to go back to him. I need to repent. And he is faithful and just to forgive my sins after I confess them. And I say, thank you, Lord, for that. Because remember the, the study we did? I'm under construction. I'm not what I'm going to be, but I'm not what I used to be. I'm in that construction mode. He reminds us this. We have an advocate. Thank you, Lord. But John never leaves us hanging, and he always shows us the way out. And in verse 16, he gave us the standard by which we're to live. And I'm going to hold that standard up before you as God held it up to me. The standard is Jesus Christ. He is our standard. And I look at him and I say, there's my example. I don't need to look any further. There's my example. It's clear in the scriptures that he is the example of all that ever love. And I have to measure myself to him. Oof, that's difficult. Why? Because Jesus actively and purposely gave his life for me. He gave his life for everyone in this room, everyone in the entire world. And as a result, I now have a moral obligation to love each of you to the point I'm willing to die for you. And when I can't do that, I need to confess to God, I can't do that and I need your help. You can't be selfish and display this kind of love. Now, none of us may never be asked to sacrifice to the point of death. But we're often asked to sacrifice a little at a time. You might be asked to sacrifice a talent that you have or, or a treasure that you have or, or, or all sorts of things. But sometimes when you're asked to give a little bit, you're like, oh, that hurts. I don't want to give. Yo, God's just asking you to give a little and it hurts so much. It hurts. Why? Because of that flesh that we're hanging on to and that old nature that we're hanging on to. Perhaps it's time you lay down your desires. Lay down your desires and replace that for a need for someone else. Look at somebody else's needs instead of your own. Look at somebody else's hurt instead of your own. Take the pain that you're going through and give it to God. And allow him to restore you and go out and help somebody else. And say, this is the way to ease your pain. Jesus Christ. Ask yourself tonight, what sacrifices am I willing to make to show, on, show someone God's love? After all. How much did Jesus hold back from you? Nothing. He held nothing back from you. The least we could do was give up something for the needs of somebody else. The point here John's trying to make is stop making excuses. Regardless of all the cane that might be around you, all the canes might be around you, stop making excuses. So how do I show the love of Christ? Well, first of all, in verse 17, he said, we need to pay attention to people's needs. We need to be aware of people's needs. We need to look and be aware of people's needs. He doesn't necessarily mention possessions. You don't have to be wealthy to sacrifice. You don't have to have everything to sacrifice. Sometimes sacrificing your time is more important than anything. Genuine love is motivated by the desire to help others. You are This has been another edition of A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Thanks for tuning in. Sometimes it's helpful to know what your boundaries are, what the acceptable parameters are for living your life. In this book, John made it clear to those he was writing to the differences or contrasts between light and dark. 
truth versus lies and Christ versus the Antichrist. These are opposites of one another because like all of life, there is a constant reminder of good and evil, of sin and righteousness. Throughout God's Word, He provides clues and instructions of what things are good and right. He also gives warning of what's wrong and sinful. So John's writing is a reminder of the boundaries God's put in place for your benefit. This is not any kind of punishment or consequence. On the contrary, it's to give you more freedom and to allow you to live life to the fullest here on earth and beyond. Is your heart waging war between these things that John has written about? Are you wrestling between loving the world and loving God? If you'd like to talk to someone about the things that you've heard today, please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number, 609-884-5821. Keep looking to Scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on. We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope today. Feel free to listen to more messages like this on our website, assurehoperadio.com. Be sure to join us again next time here on Assure Hope.